Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships, especially in midlife. Um, I spoke to uh, somebody who's an avid listener who's only 25 years old. So this show is not just for you if you're in midlife, but um, we do focus mostly on over 40. And today I am honored to be speaking with author, global ritual expert, and spiritual life coach Barbara Bijou about why it is never too late for love. And I'm going to bring her on in just a moment. But for the past 11 years since I have been doing this work as a love and women's empowerment coach, I have been helping women over 40 enter into the best relationships they have ever had. And often, this is the first time that they ever have found love. And the secret is that they found their own values first. As I grow and advance the Woman of Value movement, I plan to support women even further by giving them the tools they need to speak up and show others how to treat them and how valuing them simply non-negotiable in life, love, and work. Every week I bring you a tip on how to become a woman of value, and this week's tip is learn how to delegate. This was one of the hardest things for me. Um, I definitely like to do everything myself and it is just really hard to relinquish control and be organized enough to give over tasks to capable people who are good at what you don't want to do. And so it's just important to delegate and receive in in return. Um, So if you're not yet delegating, do it. Find something on your list that you don't have to do, whether it's cleaning your house or if you're in business for yourself, finding somebody to do some of the admin work um, so you can focus on being at your best and being a woman of value. Before I bring on Barbara, I just want to say that if you are not yet a member of my private Facebook group, which is called Your Last First Date, I invite you to join us. The conversation there is juicy, positive, supportive, always interesting, and always forward-moving. We have eight monitors now. We just added a new one because our group is growing every day. And it's one of the only groups that I know of that deals with relationships and dating for women over 40 that keeps the conversation from man-bashing, from anything really negative and victim-y, because we all are supporting you to become the woman of value that you are. So please join us at your last first date. And now for our guest, Barbara Bijou. She is the author of The Joy of Rituals, and she's a global ritual expert and spiritual life coach, among other things, as we just discussed before the show started. Her greatest passion is to inspire, empower, and support people going through all life's transitions with easy-to-access rituals and spiritual practices that make life richer, easier, and more meaningful. Who doesn't want that? So join us now for episode number 327. Barbara Bijou shares the real keys to finding love after 40. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Barbara. 
Oh, it's a delight to be here. I'm so happy. Thank you. As I always like to start with why you do the work you do. What inspired you? Is there some something that happened in your life that led you to do this work? Um, well, you know, for me, yes, it is very personal. And what inspired me way back when is when I was young and pregnant and I had a younger sister who died. And I was trying mm-hmm. to make sense out of my life. And in order to do that, I just dove into a very intense spiritual journey until I found something that truly helped me. And for me, it was around ritual. And it gave me such self-empowerment that I just really got passionate and wanted to share it with people. So once I discovered it, I just started traveling, you know, interviewing everyone, and then kind of having a lab in New York, um, I would do a different ritual every month. I'd do a bringing in love ritual. I'd bring in, I'd do a letting go of an old love ritual, you know, a prosperity ritual, a health ritual, a new moon ritual. And it just evolved into actually two books and a whole career for me. And the more I did it, the more I learned about it and, you know, eventually became certified and um, became an interfaith minister, and then I did weddings and baby blessings, and so it just keeps growing. For me, it's just a mm. passion. Yeah, well, I'm sorry for your loss, but I, I love the way that you found meaning in your loss and were able Thank to then you. pay it forward and help others. Yeah, um, I think rituals are so so important. Even even small rituals, like my son and I like to watch Netflix every night you know just one show Mm. together and you know we eat dinner we watch we watch a show and it's something we look forward to and we play we play back um not back in and rummy cube now um it's these little things that become ritualized in a relationship that that can be very simple right not only simple but you know all the research shows that kids especially when they grow up, really what they remember are those meaningful rituals that they did with their parents and their siblings, much more than Mm. the toys and the presents. You know, that's the anchor to me that builds a stable, strong, masculine and feminine who then could move into relationship when they're older. It gives them an anchor. You know, I'm sure Mm -hmm. you know because you work with so many women that without that anchor, you could get lost in somebody else, and either it's power over or you let them take over. And it's really challenging to have a flow, you know, of what I call the internal masculine and feminine because you just don't have any anchor. You're just out to sea. Mm. So yeah, tell, tell us a little more about this internal masculine and feminine, even though that's, it's a little off topic, but I would love to hear more. Well, you know, for me, when you're talking about relationships, it's it's not off topic in the sense that when, especially women, let's talk about women right now, when women in general are stressed out, what they do, just say they're stressed out about wanting a relationship, for example, they tend to take on the energy of the opposite, which would be more masculine. So although mm-hmm. they might be feminine at their core, they put on this masculine mask, even what you were saying before, not delegating. I could do everything. I'm independent. I'm in control. But this protective mechanism actually makes it less possible for romance to come in because there's no mm-hmm. receptivity. 
So the feminine needs to be seen. You see it in men in their compassion and their empathy and their caring, and you see it in women in the same way and more of what people consider, quote, feminine, but we need both to be in relation. You need the doing and the receiving. You know, you need both of them to have a relationship that really works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I speak a lot about this. It could be a whole show in and of itself because it's such an important topic. Uh, but you explained it very well. And I think that what happens is that a lot of women who have been alone for a long time and have adapted both the masculine and the feminine and, and the guards that you speak about, um, they are actually blocking love. And they, you know, I've heard women say, well, I don't, I don't need a man. You know, I don't need right. to think a man. I can do everything myself. And men feel that when you're on a date with a man and you say, well, I can do it all. They're Absolutely. Like, well, where is there a place for me, right? And, and then, yeah. yeah. So we, we really need the balance and we need to have need the balance space. for sure. And I see it in same-sex relations. I mean, it, it's, you know, mm-hmm. in fluid relations. You always, people need to feel needed, even, you know, and if the other person doesn't let them feel needed, like, then it's very challenging, you know, to have a relationship that can grow and, you know, as time goes on, get stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. So let's, let's talk about love. And okay, I love you feel, about love. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about love, baby. Um, why do you feel it is such an important thing for all of us to have love in our lives? Well, you know, from a very basic perception, you know, perspective, we're all looking for love. I mean, it goes back to the spiritual divine love. And when we feel love, um, even on a biological level, it boosts our immune system. It makes us stronger. It makes us happier. It makes us more willing to connect and relate to other people. When we're feeling, you know, the opposite, we tend to go hide in our houses and apartments and not reach out to people. So, you know, that old love makes the world go round kind of thing, all we need is love. I mean, that's really the reason. It's the basis of connectedness, love of people, love of the earth, love of, you know, community, country, family. Um, That love is way stronger than any kind of fear and negativity. If you were going to measure it on a scale, it has a much higher frequency. So every neuroscience can tell you that it just has a much more powerful energetic than something lower, and it's a lower frequency. Mm. Uh, I agree with you, which is why I do this work, and I think, um, you know, a lot of people think they don't really need it, and we're, we're social beings. I was just speaking to a man that I'm actually going on a first date with tomorrow, and he was saying he lives in an apartment building where just being in the elevator and connecting with other people in the building feels good. You know, being mm-hmm. out in public and seeing people on the streets because we are social beings and we need to connect and we, you know, we're seeking that, those connections. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And from a spiritual perspective, no real change or transformation can happen in the mind. It has to happen in mm-hmm. the heart. You know, that's Mm. where the lasting change happens. Otherwise, you're just trying to talk yourself into something, and it's not integrated. So love is more important, I think, than anything. Mm. Yeah, that's well said about it happening in the heart. I think 
many people think their way through problems to solve right. problems, and you really have right. to get into action and and get into feelings. I mean, this into is one of the feelings. things I do. Is yeah, mm-hmm. as a, as a communications coach, it's it's just become so apparent to me that we have such poor emotional vocabulary. We just can't even identify what's going on inside us, right. let alone express it. So. Mm-hmm. Really, really important to get the feels and feel it in our bodies and, and all that other good stuff. Um, yeah, it's really important so, to feel the good, bad, and the ugly, you know, and when you're feeling yeah. sad or disappointed, and that's where I love the ritual, that you can bypass the mental plane by actually creating a ritual, you know, release, a ritual to an ending. You know, I do weddings, but I also do divorce rituals. You know, because mm. if you make a commitment to someone, whether it's um, just moving in and living together or getting married, and then that ends, you have to break that bond, that vow. And if you don't, mm-hmm. there's kind of a lot of extra energy hanging around that you could find pops up years later and sabotages you. Mm. Interesting. I, in the Jewish tradition, and I was brought up Orthodox, we have the get which is Absolutely. the yeah. Jewish divorce, right? And it's, it's such an interesting ritual where you, you're tearing the, the document and it has to be handwritten and mm-hmm. you have to take steps away from each other. Um, and I never exactly. really looked at it as a, as a ritual, yeah. Um, so what yeah. else do you do with a divorce ritual? I'm curious what that looks well, like. Well, you know, anything from, um, it depends. I've done them with, you know, the couple, I've done it with a couple and their children. I've done it, most of the time I wind up doing it with one person because the other one doesn't necessarily want to participate. But it's really mm-hmm. about, number one, acknowledging the good things that were in your relationship. It's not always bad. You you fell in love at some point. You wanted to get married. So you have to acknowledge all the good things, too. And then to really acknowledge the disappointments. And sometimes it's anger. And then depending what the energetic is around the relationship, I've had people smash their wedding rings, bury their wedding rings, um, throw the, I throw mine in the sin actually in Paris. Um, <laughs> you know, it, so you, you do, so set things on fire. Sometimes, though, if it's amicable, they take it, and especially if there's children, they turn it into something else and they pass it down to their children. You know, but there has to be some kind of physicality, just like you said about the get, a physicality of cutting something, of letting it go, of burying something, of, you know, physically doing something. It's really important, not just talking mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, and I can see why sometimes it's just the one person who's participating in mm-hmm. the ritual because often divorce is not amicable. Um, right. But, yeah, it's, when I do my retreats and I have everybody in a room live, I have them create a ritual around letting go of mm-hmm. past relationships, of past mistakes, of all the things that they regret, and ripping up the paper. Um, and right. I've, done, I've done other rituals with paint and having mm-hmm. people paint something and then destroy it and then rebuild with the pieces. Um, right. That's so it's, great. Um, yeah. It's really powerful. Um, I'm an artist, so I, that's that was my first love, and I integrated into the work I do. Oh, that's um, fantastic! Because the more you yeah. engage your senses, the more powerful the ritual, anyway. 
They'll think of mm-hmm. a wedding, you know, wedding ceremony. I did two weddings this week, and you know, mm. you have the different elements of. You know, I had one that was fairly elaborate. We blessed rose petals. You know, we broke the glass. It was a Catholic Jewish. We did it in Spanish and English. You know, we inv- we invoked mm. so many things, um, and mm-hmm. that's very powerful in any ceremony. Is so the fact that you use art is amazing. Mm. It's I've done it with kids and adults, um, but mm-hmm. that sounds incredible. Also, to be able to bring all the cultures and everything together and mm-hmm. honor all of it, um, that's very memorable. Um, let's talk about unconditional love because this is a hot topic. Um, right. And you have a definite um, opinion about unconditional love and why it's important to approach love as unconditional. So can you speak to that? You know, if you have, if you do this for me, I'll love you, kind of an attitude mm-hmm. Um, it really breaks down what's going on. There's nothing wrong with letting somebody know what you need in a relationship. That's different, you know. But you have to be able to truly love somebody, whether, you know, they're at their best or their worst. Otherwise, it just totally falls apart. And we all know the best relationships, you've gone through challenges with people, you know, no matter what it is, whether they've been sick or they lost a job or if they had issues with their family, you know, and if you only love them when everything is perfect, it's a very superficial kind of love and it doesn't last. It's impossible. Um, And no one expects you to totally love and approve somebody 24 hours a day for life without having glitches. I'm I'm not saying that. But in general, if people have all these conditions, I mean, you're going to laugh, but I did a wedding once where the groom actually said to the bride, and I promise to love you even if you gain weight, because she was like neurotic oh. about working out. Oh and she God. kept thinking unless her body was perfect, he wouldn't love her. And he actually said it in wow. the ceremony, I'm going to love you even if you gain weight. It doesn't matter. Wow. You know, so... Wow. When we talk about dating over 40 especially, you know, you don't have the body you had when you were a teen or 20s. You know, and the older you get when you're looking for, quote, romantic love, you know, the more you deal with that. I don't know if anyone saw the Jane Fonda HBO special where here she is, she just turned 80, talking about her whole life was defined by men. And she never felt Mm -hmm. good enough. And she had an eating disorder. You know, so that all comes from a lack of unconditional love. When only, you know, if you look a certain way or do a certain thing, you'll get the love and approval, and that is really hard to keep up. It's really almost mm-hmm. impossible, actually. That's why people say yeah, they don't want to bother going out or dating. It's too much work because they feel right. they have to well, be perfect, you know. Exactly. I, I um, totally, totally hear you on that. Um so I see unconditional love a little differently. And I, I hear this, that it shouldn't be conditional in terms of I'll only love you if. But there are people who take this too far and they say, well, you know, it's okay for me to be a total jerk and you should love me anyway. So in that, in that respect, I think love is conditional. It's conditional upon you upholding your behavior and not being an asshole. <laughs> Well, no, of course. I mean, there's basic respect. There's basic, quote, rules of, you know, listen.
listening to people, respecting people, but again, and also finding out what they need. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I I know people like, for example, I need someone to actually say words to me. You know, I love mm-hmm. you. Thank you for doing this. I have to hear it. Other people I know need somebody to do something for them to prove your love. Go fix my light bulbs that proves you, you love mm-hmm. me or buy me a nice present. So you need to understand also what people need and make sure that you can give them some of what they need personally. But unconditional love is not a license to be mean or a jerk. You know, that has nothing to do with it. That's just, you know, crazy stuff. That's just arrogance or narcissism. That has nothing to do with true love. No. But I do agree with you because especially women tend to put up with a lot of stuff you know, that um, they don't feel it's okay to say, wait a minute, that's not okay. I mean, men too, but more women than men, in my opinion, you know, don't really step up and say how they feel or that hurt my feelings or what are you doing or, you know. And we Mm -hmm. have to. We have to find our own voice. Yeah. But in a respectful way, you know. I think it's really not yelling and saying you're a jerk, but just saying, hey, when you do that, that really hurts my feelings. Mhm. Yeah, communicate effectively and mm-hmm. know what the other person's about, not just see the world through your lens. So when you Absolutely. said, you know, know what they need, um, you know, the love languages are a way to understand how we express love. Right. And so I, I have a lot of clients take that book and take the quiz mm-hmm. and share it with their partner. Because, Great book, yes. Yeah, and also understanding if you're an introvert, if you're an extrovert. Like I have clients mm-hmm. fill out a whole what I call their operating manual so that mm-hmm. they know how they operate best and they can communicate. This is how much sleep mm-hmm. I need. This is what kind of food I need to eat. Like people are afraid to say those things, you know, and they right. give those things up. Um, so it's just it's so essential to take care of your needs and to find out what the needs are of the other person. Yeah, I mean, I think the most successful, I was going to say one of the most successful things I've seen in people who are older is when they first meet someone, they're pretty clear about certain things, you know. You know, Mm -hmm. hey, um, I like to go and visit my best friend in another city, you know, every few weeks, and I'm not going to invite you, and you can't be upset about it, otherwise this isn't going to work. You know, I mean, they're really clear Mm -hmm. from the get-go that there are certain things that they're not going to change, and then there yeah. are other things they're willing to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love when people are up front with me right away, and I try to do the same. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the advantages of dating at this age is that we know ourselves, hopefully, and we can express hopefully. ourselves better. <laughs> and hopefully, right? Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. We yes. hire people who help us find out who we are. Yes, that's why people hire um, you, I'm sure. That's exactly right. Um. <laughs> Let's talk about daily practices like gratitude. And I know that you think this is a really important quality. Um, So can you say more about why you think it's so important to practice gratitude every day? Well, first of all, practicing gratitude shifts your whole energetic field. So the more I could feel grateful for life, probably the nicer I'm going to be to other people as well. And, you know, it's contagious. Gratitude is contagious. And when you thank somebody for something that they did, then they feel seen. And then they're more likely to thank somebody else, you know. So it really is Mm -hmm. contagious. 
and and I see it. I mean, one of the practices I do is at least once a week I walk around for like five or ten minutes when I'm outside just in gratitude for everything, from a bus to a tree to, to a baby's smile. And by the time I get where I'm going, I'm just in such another place that people are smiling at me. People are, I could see it. Mm. People are nicer, you know, they're friendlier. And that's really important in relationships is to be able to be grateful for what you have and not just focus on what you don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is such an important focus. And I, having run this big group of single women on Facebook is something that I keep pointing out because people tend to say, why me? And there's something wrong with me. And why, they, why did they find love? And I can't find love. So important to wake up with gratitude, to go to sleep with gratitude. I mean, mm-hmm. I walk into my kitchen and I'm like, oh my God, this is an amazing kitchen. I'm like, I'm so grateful yes. I have food in the refrigerator and that I have heat and air conditioning and right. all of it. It's and, all, and also the happiest couples that I know don't go to, I mean, literally, it's a cliche, but they do not go to bed angry. You know, they mm. will, before they go to bed, they will literally say, I love you. You know, I'm sorry mm-hmm. if I did anything to hurt you today. Or, you know, I mean, whatever it is in their own language. But that kind of gratitude for the relation and to recommit, in essence, to recommit all the time to a relationship. Don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. To be grateful for what yeah. you have and what's growing and changing is really important. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about soulmates because uh, okay. actually my tagline <laughs> used to be um, from from first date to soulmate, something like that was my that was my original tagline, and right. I took it out because I I don't love the term soulmate, and I think a lot of people get really tripped up on this. So I'd love I to hear too. your thoughts. Okay. So well, tell us what, okay. what well, are I your thoughts on finding a soulmate. <laughs> I think you can have more than one soulmate, and I think you could also have a soulmate who's not an earthmate. So you could feel a connection to somebody and know that you just feel this amazing connection, but emotionally or physically, they are just not on the same page that you're at, and you couldn't ever live with them or be married to them. Um, so that's one thing, because not all soulmates are earthmates. The other thing is you have different kinds of soulmates, I believe. You have a soulmate who might be, I call a younger soul, and you'll kind of be the teacher in that relationship, and there are challenges and pluses in both of those. Um, then you might find a, quote, soulmate who is your own age spiritually and emotionally. So you're kind of learning together and growing. Or you could be in a relationship with, quote, an older, wiser soul who's there to teach you. And then there are more challenges, you know, and good things than that. So you have so many different opportunities um, to be connected to, quote, soulmates. Um, And it doesn't have to just be one person. Even though I know there are people who say, you know, you are my twin soul and you're meant to be. And I do know people like that. However, I've also seen it happen where they were together and happy and then one of them died. And years later, the other one found another, quote, soulmate who is different. And it's a Mm -hmm. different kind of love, you know. So there's... A tendency to think there's only one person for you on the whole planet, and I personally do not agree with that. Me neither. 
And I think, I also think that sometimes one of your children is a soulmate or your best friend can be a soulmate in some way. Absolutely. You know, and... Totally, yes. um, Yeah. How do you feel about the idea that a soulmate is there to help you grow like more of a mirror and help you go through pain? Because a lot of people feel that that's the definition of a soulmate. They're, They're there to perfect your soul, but like it's painful. It's not really a a pleasant thing. Well, see, I think, I mean, one of the things that I think is really sad is that people feel they only have to learn through pain and struggle. And I don't think Mm -hmm. you only have to learn through pain and struggle. It's I don't know where that even came from. Um, So I do believe that anyone you're in relationship with, as you said, whether it's your child or your best friend or your lover, um, you're going to learn something. They are mirrors for you, and but it doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be hard and horrible. But they are mirrors for sure. We're all, pro- you know, and you have to, for me, learn not to project on that person, but to just see who mm-hmm. they are and take your projections back and own them. And that's where you start yeah. to have good relationships on every level. Mm-hmm. So important to. I mean, I've learned a lot from my son. I learned a lot from my friends. I learned a lot from my mother, my brother, you know, as well as, you know, men I've been in relationship with. So I learned Mm -hmm. from everybody. Yeah, that's really key. Um, I think that people tend to go on dates thinking if it's not the right person for you, it's a waste of time. Or if you had a relationship for a year and it didn't work out, it was a waste of time. And yeah, I, I don't think, think it's like ever you, a waste. That, no. Yeah. It's, absolutely. We can learn from every single person. Every person is our teacher if we look at it that way. Um, yeah, so, yeah, totally. it's a great way to look at it. Yeah. All right. So, as we wrap up here, uh, two final things before you give us – well, one, one final question before um, you give us some information about how people can find you is can you share one final tip to help our audience go on their last first date? Look at it as an adventure. I think that's one of the most important things is just to be fully present and look at it as an adventure without all the preconceived ideas of what the person needs to be, look like, or do, and just truly be present and, you know, allow, um, just allow a connection um, to occur, it may or may not be their last date. That you're probably better at than I am at coaching people. Mm-hmm. However, to me, it's like the more you could be truly present with somebody, um, the more you're going to get out of the experience. Mm, I love that. Very hard for us to be present these days. <laughs> like, very, very challenging. Yes. 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 Totally. But if we keep bringing the focus back to being present and not future-focused or past-focused, we would do a whole lot better in this world. Yeah, and stop Um, overanalyzing everything. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And that's the masculine coming in. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you can let us know, I know you have a free gift for our audience, so tell us about that. Okay, so if you're signing, I do a weekly newsletter that has, it's just chock full of information and 
all kinds of things from, you know, videos and exercises and whatever. But when you sign up for it, you're going to get a free seven-day um, program that you could download that consists of a workbook and audios. So it's all free, and you'll get all kinds of, you know, cool stuff that will help you on your journey. So it's going mm-hmm. to barbarabijou.com, which is B-A-R-B-A-R-A, and it's B-I-Z as in zebra, I-O-U.com. And there's tons of information there for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show today. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I love that you do this really amazing work of creating rituals for people. Well, you'll have to come join me. I will. I know, and you're Good. close by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, thank thanks you for again, everything. Barbara. My yeah, pleasure. You're welcome. Um, and thanks, everybody, for listening today. If you love our show, please rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you listen. And I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye.